0: Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, talking them, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. Will they not return to Egypt? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me, all my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One among you. I will not come against their cities, They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come from Egypt, trembling like sparrows, from Assyria, fluttering like doves. I will settle them in their homes, declares the Lord.
1: Great, thank you so much for reading. I'm Narik, I'm one of the assistant pastors here with the responsibility of youth and students and I recently joined the team and I'm really excited to be here to share God's word with you. But first let's look at Book of Hosea. I'm going to give you an intro of what Book of Hosea is about. So Book of Hosea is about God's faithfulness to his people who are not faithful to him at all. In previous chapters, we read that the book of Hosea uses the imagery of marriage to describe the relationship of God and the Israelites. It describes God as the husband's husband, it describes God as husband and the Israelites as the unfaithful wife. But now, in chapter 11, we see a shift. The metaphor changes. It starts to describe God, this loving father who really loves his son, who really loves his child. But then we see it describes Israelites, this rebellious child. But before I start, I'm a youth worker, so I would love to do an icebreaker first. So we're gonna, I'm going to ask you a question. What's your favorite trilogy? Tell me. Raise your hand. Shout. Star Wars. Okay, movie trilogies. Matrix. Matrix. What a movie! Yes. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. So I said Narnia. Great. There's a lot of amazing options of trilogies. My favorite ones are Matrix and Lord of the Rings. Those are my all favorite ones. Yes. So I grew up watching a lot of movies. I love movies. I'm your kind of movie guy. If you can, if you want movie recommendations, I can give you recommendations. So when I'm basically reading the Bible. When I'm reading different chapters, different scriptures, I, I start to imagine the Bible like a movie, the uh, different stories of Jesus like a movie, and sometimes I think, okay, who would direct this chapter? Which actors would play this kind of characters? And when I was reading the book of Hosea, chapter 11, I started to imagine it like a movie, more like a trilogy. So. Between verse 1 to 4 is the part one of the trilogy called Father's Love, where we are introduced to the two main characters, God the Father and the Israelites, the rebellious child. And then it's a great pilot at the beginning but sad ending, where God shows his love to the Israelites, they reject that love. And then part two gets dramatic, where the Israelites face the consequences of their actions in the part two of this trilogy. But there's a cliffhanger at the end of part two, verse eight. Part two is between verse five to eight. And in verse eight, we see this father shows compassion towards his child. And in part three, we see this father shows compassion, forgiveness to this child and calls him back to him. And today, I want to take you through this journey. I'm going to take you through this story of Hosea chapter 11. I'm going to explore what God's fatherhood and his love, what does it mean for us? And I'm going to look at three aspects of God's love. I'm going to look at three aspects of what kind of father he is and how his love looks like towards us. And this is what we see in these passages. We see he's a father with unconditional love. We see he's a father with a jealous love. And we see he's a father with unconditional grace. Let's look at him being a father with unconditional love. We see that between verses 1 to 4. And we see in verse 4, 1, it says, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. This takes us back to the book of Exodus. Where the Israelites were under slavery of the Egyptians. And God's heart pains. God really uh, doesn't want to see them on the suffering and pain. So he shows his love by redeeming them. By freeing them from slavery. And then later on we see in verse 4. At the end of verse 4 it says, I bent down to feed them. Again, reference back to the book of Exodus. Where the Israelites get out of Egypt They're in the wilderness for 40 years. They're in the desert for 40 years. And what God does, he shows his love by caring for them, by feeding them, by sending manna, which is the type of a Jewish bread. Every day manna was raining, and the Israelites were having that meal to not starve to death. When When I was reading these passages, I was like, Hosea is using a poetic language to describe God's fatherly love in a very affectionate way towards the Israelites, his child. This imagery shows a very intimate love of a father towards his child. Let's look at together, verse 3 and 4. It says, it was I who taught Abraham to walk. Abraham mentions to the Israelites, taking them by arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love to them. I was like one who lifts a little child to cheek, and I bent down to feed them. When I was reading this passages, I was reminded of my friend Marcus. He's one of my close friends, and he has a beautiful two-year-old daughter called Ruby. He would um, lift uh, Ruby up to, uh, to his cheek and press his cheek towards Ruby. And that would be his way of expressing his love and care towards Ruby. He's showing his unconditional love towards Ruby. And you know what is funny in this part, what's crazy about this story, is that Ruby had no clue why she's receiving that love. She didn't earn that love. But Marcus chose to love Ruby. And uh, I remember when Marcus became father and uh, Ruby was like five months old, I was like, Marcus, tell me, how's it like to be a father? And he was like this. Oh my goodness, man! It's crazy. I haven't slept for five months. I, I have to change her nappies, and they smell. They smell really bad. I I don't remember when was the last time I had the me time. I can I can see a lot of parents facing here. Like, yeah, we can relate. <laughs> but then at the end of that conversation, he would say this: "She's my Ruby. I love Ruby. She's the best thing." ever happened to me? And if we ask that question from God, he would say the same thing about the Israelites and us. This is my Israel. I love them so much. This is my child. I love you so much. And this is the thing. He always loved the Israelites, and he continued doing that. This is not a new concept in these Bible passages. When we look at the Old Testament, when we look at the book of Exodus, he keeps loving them, and they keep messing up. He's a God who his love does not change based on circumstances. And when I was reading Hosea, I was struck by God's love. I was like, this is not just love. This is unconditional love. What is unconditional love? Unconditional love is a love that doesn't have any conditions applied to it. And that's God's love. And he showed that unconditional love to us in Jesus Christ. In 1 John Chapter 4, verse 9 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. At this passage, it says, We didn't love him first, he loved us first. He's the initiator. And we didn't deserve that love. We didn't earn that love. But he chose to love us in Jesus. He sent Jesus on this planet to die on the cross. And when we believe in him, our sins are being forgiven. But not only that, we're being adopted to be part of God's family. We become part of, parts of sons and daughters of God. Our Heavenly Father. And he's a God who's by nature a loving father. He is the definition of love, and he's the definition of father. There's a worship song. that says that I never um, knew what uh, love was until I met you. We don't know what love really is. We don't know what fatherhood really is until we get to have a relationship with God. And our earthly fathers sometimes might not show us love at all. They might let us down. But we believe in a father who unconditionally loves us, who carries loving us, and he would never, ever let us down. And we see this unconditional love offers a relationship of care, protection, and guidance. We see that in the scripture. It says, I fed them, I feed them, in the end of verse 4, which suggests care. And it says, I taught them to walk, in verse 3, it suggests guidance. And it says, I healed them, it suggests protection. So we had that offer of care and protection and guidance in Jesus. This is what kind of love that we have in Jesus, shown by our Heavenly Father. Sometimes it's so easy to forget that. But I just want to remind you, I just want to speak truth in your life today that we believe in the father with unconditional love. But we see in the passages that God shows this unconditional love to the Israelites and they choose to worship Baal, which is one of the idols. In verse 2, Says, but the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. In ESV version, says idols. And, and what is happening here? Israel is rejecting God's unconditional love, rejecting him to be their father. And what they do, they choose to worship Baal, to Baal to be their idol, sorry, to, to be their God. They choose the idols to be their God. And then in verse 5, it says, because they refuse to repent. So this suggests that they are sinning. They're choosing sin instead of being in God's presence and his holiness. So the Israelites, by choosing the idols and sin, is like they're choosing idols and sin to be their father. So... In today's world, we see that that God shows his fatherly love to us through Jesus. And some people, some of us, reject Jesus and choose sin and idols to be our father. And by saying idols, I don't mean statues. Well, those can be idols as well. But idols are the things that replaces God's place. Idols are the things that um, we worship them instead of God. And the most common idols in our nowadays society are fame, money, power, sex, social media. And I'm not saying this stuff are bad stuff. No, if, 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 you, use the, if you use them right, they're good stuff. God created them for good. But they can take God's place. They can lead us to sin. So we have two fathers here. The question is, which one we are going to choose to be our father? I'm going to do something fun here, okay? I want to put these two fathers on the trial, okay? We got the idol and sin Father here this side, and we got our Heavenly Father on this side. Okay. On this side, Idol sin is an abusive, drunken, narcissistic father. Okay? And here we got God the Father who really loves us, who wants relationship with us, who really cares for us, and wants intimacy for us. And both of these fathers are inviting us for dinner. I love dinner. I love food. So both of these fathers are inviting us for dinner. And our Heavenly Father, the loving Father, is inviting us to a five-star steakhouse. If you're vegetarian, five-star vegetarian house. But, But then the other father, the abusive, drunken father, the sin and idol, is inviting us to a very fancy restaurant as well. It's really nice looking. This is how it looks like. But if you don't know, that's a dodgy chicken shop place with the fancy looking outlet. Yeah. So the other father is inviting us to a fancy dodgy chicken shop, which looks really great. And when we go out on a dinner with our heavenly father, he orders the best steak. Look at that. I love to eat that. I'm actually getting hungry. So um, he orders that steak with the size and everything. And not only you get to eat a really nice meal and nutritious meal, you also get to spend time with this father. This father is really interested in your story. He's really interested in what you're going to say. He's asking you, how's your heart? How are you doing? He's really interested in you. And then when he comes to pay the bill, which is the scariest part of every experience in restaurant, who's going to pay the bill, is that the father goes, don't worry. It's been covered. My son Jesus paid for the bill. He paid the price. So me and you can have a quality time. We can have a bonding time. Because I really enjoyed this. In the other hand... When we go out to dinner with this father, sin and idol, he takes us to this fancy looking dodgy chicken shop first, and then he gets us to pay for our meal. And then when we pay for our meal, we order our meal, this really fancy looking chicken burger comes in. You're like, oh, that looks fancy. It's really tempting to eat that, with this nice golden fries. And when you take the first bite, It tastes great. But then you take the second bite, you can feel the grease. And then you take the third bite, you feel like, oh, the chicken is not cooked. And then you take the fourth bite, you're like, oh, the lettuce is not fresh. And then fifth bite, oh, the bread is moldy. (laughs) And then what happens is that you're not really enjoying your time with this father because this father is not really interested in you. And then the next day when you wake up, you got a food poisoning. Your tummy aches. And you call this father, you say, hey, I'm really having a hard time here. I need your help. And this father says, you're on your own, mate. <laughs> I don't really care about you. See, choosing either sin, sin to be our father leads us into destruction. It comes with baggages. It costs us things. It costs us our purity. It costs us our emotional health, mental health, spiritual health, physical health. And the, the baggage that it. the food poisoning is guilt and shame. But when we are choosing our father, he gives us life. This one takes life out of us. This one gives us life. And not only gives us life, he keeps pouring his unconditional love in us. He fills us with peace. And also, he helps us to keep our purity and growing that. Because he's a father with unconditional love. But as he's a father with unconditional love, he's a father with the jealous love. By saying jealous love, I don't mean it in a negative way. I actually mean it in a positive way. Is that he wants his unconditional love to show to us, to keep us to himself, to spend time with us. See, when we choose this Father, it brings separation between us and God. We get separated, we lose that relationship with God, with our Heavenly Father. And not only that, this one leads us into wrong direction, destruction. But also, when we choose sin and idol to be our father, it it makes us to damage ourselves and damage others. That's why this father doesn't want us to choose this father. That's why he wants us to himself, because he knows what's best for us. And it really pains him to see us in destruction. It pains him to see us damaging ourselves. And that's why he wants to keep us to himself, because he wants to protect us, care for us, and guide us. That's what kind of father he is. And we see in verse 5 to 7, Israelites are choosing idols and sin, and they face the consequences. But not only that, they also face God's judgment. We see in verse 7, it says, My people are determined to turn from me, Even though they call me God most high, I will will by no means exalt them. Hang on a minute, Narek. You just talked about God's love for the last few minutes, and now you're talking about his judgment. What is happening here? Well, actually, jealous love of God is followed by a disciplinary love. In here, in these passages, towards Israelites. It's followed by a tough love. Because that judgment is part of his love. Many, many years ago, when I was seven-year-old, my dad took me to a swimming pool. And we started to swim, and my dad literally takes a break, gets out of the swimming pool, and he says this to me, don't go to the deep end, okay? And my dad is a Middle Eastern dad, so he's very direct. He said it like this, don't go to the deep end, like that. And then me being this cheeky, rebellious boy, I was like, deep end sounds fun. So I started to go towards the deep end, someone who can't swim at that age. um, I started to go to the deep end and I just realized I can't swim there anymore. And a few seconds later, I'm like, I can't breathe properly. Oh my goodness, I'm drowning. Oh my goodness, I'm going to die. And then suddenly, I see someone jumps and in, dives into the pool and then gets my wrist and pulls me out of the pool. But my wrist hurt a little bit because the way my dad pulled me out was quite hard. And then when we got out of the pool, first he asked me, how are you doing? Are you okay? And the next thing he says, what were you thinking? <laughs> the deep end, Narek, you can't swim. him." He could literally stay outside of the pool and say, Naira I love you so much, but you drown. I love you, but you drown in your mistake. You drown what's going to damage you. No. No, no, he saw I was struggling. He saw I was in pain. I was damaging myself. So he jumped and pulled me out. And that's a tough love. And we see in verses 10, it says, they will follow the Lord He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. It's like God is shouting and roaring towards the Israelites to give them a wake-up call. To come back to him. And this verse is not suggesting uh, that God is asking Israelites to be scared of him. No, he's asking him to have a fear of him. To have a fear of God. And let me clarify. There are two different things. Things Being scared means, oh my goodness, what I have done is bad, so God is going to smite me. But then being, having fear of God is that I'm afraid of being separated from my God's presence. I'm afraid of being separated of God's unconditional love. The thought of not having God in my life terrifies me. That's the difference. He's a loving God. It's like two scenarios. The one scenario is, I messed up, my dad is going to kill me. The second one is, I messed up, and I need to go talk to my dad. That's the scenario that we see there's a jealous love. And we see in verse 8, in verse 7, it says, People are determined to turn from me, even though they call me God Most High. I will by no means exalt them. And then we see in verse 8, it, the narrative changes. It says, How can I give you up, Abraham? Abraham is, again, refers to Israelites. How can I hand you over, Israel? And then later on, it says, My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger. In the SV version, it says, My compassion grows warm and tender. My compassion grows warm and tender. So, God, at this part, He's basically saying, Instead of acting on my anger, I will show compassion and forgiveness, which is grace, which is unconditional grace, to the Israelites. They chose the wrong father, but even the heavenly father sees them choosing the wrong father. He calls them back. If you come back, I'm here to accept you. And we see God showing that grace, showing that invitation of compassion and forgiveness in Jesus. In Jesus, we see this unconditional love. We see that even we choose the wrong father, he calls back he calls us back by accepting Jesus to show us forgiveness and compassion. But how did he show this grace? In Romans five, eight says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated his unconditional grace in the form of unconditional love by sending Jesus to die on the cross and that was costly. And it cost God to show us his love. God suffered in Jesus to show us his unconditional love. And i denied that he was getting crucified. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to try. He carried this cross. Thanks, man. He carried this cross on his shoulders for few hours. And look, I'm in a great physical form now. I can hold this for hours, but still it really hurts my shoulder right now. This cross is heavy. Imagine Jesus, in so much pain, so much suffering, uh, in, like full of wounds, was carrying this cross. That was act of unconditional grace. That was act of unconditional love. And then, this is not, this is not finished yet. They put him down to crucify him after all that suffering and pain. And then when he's lying down on the cross, they take the first nail and they put it on his right hand and goes bam, unconditional love for you. And then the second one goes in on his left hand and goes bam, unconditional grace for us. And then on the third, and then he goes, the third nail and goes in his feet, and it goes, bam! My compassion and forgiveness for you. We see God shows us his unconditional grace in this, in the cross, through the cross. And what happens in here, when we sin, Sin separates us from God. There's a barrier between us and God because God is holy, we are not. There's a gap. See, I can't go back because there's a gap. But Jesus dying on the cross and us accepting Jesus. This cross made a way to restore my relationship, your relationship all of our relationship with him to benefit that unconditional love and grace. Jesus created the bridge between us and God. Because when he, God sees G- us, he sees Jesus. When we accept Jesus, God sees us. So that means there's a bridge created between us and God. So we get to walk through this bridge to, into God's presence. Jesus bridged the gap between us and God, and that was act of unconditional grace. And you know, this cross was not a one-time thing. It's not like, okay, I, uh, this bridge, I crossed this bridge one time, and I'm access, I have access to God, and I fail again, That's it. No. This bridge is accessible to us in Jesus every single time. When we mess up, we can always go back to him and go through this bridge in his presence. And you might say, Narek, you don't know what I have done though. No, I don't know. I don't. I don't really. But God knows. Even with that... He's calling us to come back to him in Jesus, only in Jesus, to have that unconditional grace. Unconditional grace and love work together. They are hand-to-hand combo. And God's unconditional grace is like a bottomless drink in Nando's. The price has been paid for the glass, and you can refill it as much as you can with the soda. Jesus paid the price for the glass and we can refill our hearts with his unconditional love and unconditional grace. And this is it. It doesn't matter what I have done. He really cares and loves us. And that's what he offers for us to come back to him. It's like the story of prodigal son. The father is waiting here. Us accepting Jesus to come back to Him to show us His unconditional love. And this is the Father that we believe. He's the God with the fatherly love who shows us unconditional love. And that unconditional love doesn't run out. But He also has a jealous love that He wants us to choose Him constantly. But He's also a Father who always shows us His unconditional grace to us when we come back to him. And we're going to pray in a second if the worship band can come on the stage. And I want to, we want to pray for you today. We want to pray for three kinds of people today. When I was prepping this, I just felt like God was calling us to um, pour his Unconditioned love in our hearts. So, if if you feel like, you know, there's been a lot of rejection. I haven't been feeling love lately. God is saying, I'm here. I'm here to pour my unconditional love. So, we want to pray for you. Number two, you might be like, well, I chose the wrong father. Well, he's calling you back to him. He's calling you in this cross is calling you to come back to this cross. And number three, anything that impacted you from this passage is, we would love to pray for you. Or if you want to pray, we would love to pray for you. And if that's you, would you like to raise your hand? And that's just basically me praying for you. And we just want to pray for you. I'm going to pray for everyone. I'm going to go into worship. And if you see a hand, if you're part of the team here, go pray for people. Lord, thank you so much for what you have done for us. Thank you. Thanks for your unconditional love. Thanks for your unconditional grace. We pray that you pour us with your unconditional love and grace today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.